I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to Once Upon a Gene. I'm your host, Effie Parks. I'm so glad you're here. Two things, if you haven't done yet. Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an audio-only app. And every Monday, along with Bo Bigelow, we host a room called Rare and Relatable. It's under the Once Upon a Gene Club, and we meet Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we just share stories on a particular topic or theme that week. It's a great place to connect and hang out. So I'd love to see you there. Message me anywhere if you need a link to it. If you're tech savvy, download Clubhouse, search Once Upon a Gene, join the club Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Also, we have a Discord chat, another app you can download, download Discord. I'll send you the link or you can find it on my social. There, we it's a seven-day-a-week chat, so it's a text chat. You can ask questions, you can share stories, you can just have that much-needed connection that we all need. It's a great resource. Please join. I'd love to see you there. And again, message me for links. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Holy bananas. What a force. This woman, her story it took my breath away. And the more I read about her, the more I just couldn't believe what she's done, what she's been through, and what she continues to do. I got a message about her from someone who told me that her son's life is saved because of this woman and all of these extra things. And so I definitely had to follow up, of course, especially after I found out her story. She lost her beautiful son, Aiden, to a disease called ALD, adrenal leukal dystrophy. You've heard it on the show back with Taylor Kane. Her son, Aiden, passed away in 2012 at the age of only seven. As she was sitting next to his hospital bed researching this awful disease, she learned that there was actually a newborn screening test for ALD in existence that not one single state was using. After her son passed away, she promised that she would do everything she could to make sure that that screening test was on every state's list. And thanks to her advocacy, New York and 24 other states are now testing. She's not just covering ALD anymore. She's working to get all of the tests that are available, that have a viable treatment available to be on newborn screening tests across the country. She's amazing. I can't believe what she's gotten done in such a short amount of time. She is one of my heroes. And I am so honored to share this conversation with you and introduce her to you. 
please welcome Elisa Seeger. Hi, Elisa. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yes. I get so many submissions from people to be on the podcast. And every once in a while, the submission is made on behalf of someone. And I don't mean the PR companies that I ignore, but from people telling me how special someone is to them for whatever reason. And I have to tell you, the email I received about you took my breath away. And I really mean it when I say that it is such an honor to meet you. I can't believe I didn't know about you before. And I'm just I'm just really grateful. No, thank you. That's that's very, very sweet. I'm grateful to be on your podcast and to be able to share my story and try to help others. Well, there's really no better place to start than your son, Aiden. My deepest condolences. I know you lost Aiden to ALD. Can you tell us about him? Sure. So Aiden was born in 2004, perfectly healthy, giant blue eyes, full of life. We had no reason to believe anything was wrong with him. He was walking at 10 months, you know, did well in school, played sports. He actually started playing chess at six, which is crazy in itself. And the latter part of his first grade school year, probably about March or April, he started having some vision problems that we just thought, no big deal. Um, he needs glasses. He, you know, we weren't really too concerned. We lived a little bit of the diagnostic odyssey going from ophthalmologist to pediatric ophthalmologist to retina specialist. Finally, back to the pediatrician who recommended a neurologist. And even the neurologist on a physical checkup didn't think anything was wrong, but he did order an MRI. And when the results of the MRI came back, that was the first time we ever heard those three letters together, ALD or adrenal leukodystrophy. And what that is, is an X-linked inherited metabolic condition, which most severely affects boys and men. And women are carriers of the condition, unbeknownst to me when I was having children. There's a 50% chance as a carrier that you pass it on to any of your children. But again, it's most severe in, in boys and men. So Aiden was diagnosed with a cerebral form of ALD, which is the most severe and what ALD is, is it's a demyelinating disease, uh, which means that it affects all neurological functioning. So a once perfectly healthy child starts to lose all of their abilities, their ability to see, uh, to hear, to walk, to talk, to eat, to move until they're in a vegetative state. And that's when we embarked on our mission to try to save his life. Aiden was eligible for a bone marrow transplant. So we moved our family down to North Carolina, to Duke. It was one of the institutions that in 2011, when he was diagnosed, that had a lot of experience with ALD specifically. So we did opt to go there instead of any of the hospitals here in New York City. 
So he was inpatient. He did receive a bone marrow transplant, which was the method of treatment. But unfortunately, because he was a late diagnosis, he lost all of his abilities and spent the last 10 months of his life living in the hospital. So seven months at Duke and three months in NYU. And he lost his life April 29th of 2012. And during that time of living in the hospital, I, of course, just spent a lot of my time doing research, trying to find anything that could possibly change the course of his condition. I came across the fact that there was a newborn screening test for ALD, but not one state was putting it to use. And I knew at that moment, just as talking to you briefly, you know, what you knew you wanted to do. I knew at that moment that this is what I wanted to do, was to change the course for other families and other boys. And as I laid in the hospital bed with him, I called the New York State Lab in Albany, and I spoke to Michelle, who is one of the lab directors there, and You know, she got on the phone with me and explained how, yes, this was a test that was valid, but, you know, with the states and being a government entity, you know, they can't ask for anything, right? They have to have the funds and actually that has to come from above on what conditions they're testing for. So at that point in time, I knew that, again, this is what I wanted to do because I knew that. If we had this test in 2004, Aiden would be alive right now, and so would thousands of other boys across the country. So I started the foundation in late 2012. Our primary focus was newborn screening and started, you know, had no idea what I was doing reached out to the commissioner of health where I received, you know, the standard stock letter back, you know, thank you, Mrs. Seeger for bringing this to our attention and we're doing what we can and we'll look into it, which was total nonsense. And then I went to my local senator and assembly person and they both introduced bills. So we had a bill that was introduced in the latter part of 2012. And I started just making contacts with members of the Health Committee in the Senate and the Assembly. We started a petition to have this, you know, signed into law. And the way it works here in New York is that a bill does not turn into law by December 31st. You have to start again in January. But luckily, because the groundwork was laid, um, the bill was reintroduced in January of 2013. And it was just full steam ahead on, you know, again, meeting with members of the health committee in both the House and the Assembly. There was one day I set aside, I scheduled 40 meetings in Albany, and I took 20, and Aiden's grandfather took the other 20. And we put together these packages that just explained what this condition is, what it does, photos of families that were affected, so children, and what this condition does to them. And I have to say that the the pictures is really what moved 
these legislators to sign on in support of this. So that just kind of renewed my belief in humanity, right? Like for them to see the devastation of this disease and how it could have been prevented with an early diagnosis. So Aiden's law was signed uh, March 29th of 2013. It was exactly 11 months to the day that I lost my son. And that was a promise I had made to him before he passed that I would work, that it would be my mission to get this done so this wouldn't happen or keep happening to other families and, and boys. So that was, you know, just amazing, just grateful that, that that did happen and everyone that took part in that, whether they signed a petition or, you know, the legislators that really believed in it, Governor Cuomo signed it and that was our first step forward. So every baby in New York, born in New York State, has been tested as of December 30th, 2013. And that's when I realized what a broken system this is. And what I mean by that is, you know, newborn screening is probably one of the most successful health programs in the country. But the problem is that you have to do this 50 individual times. So I don't believe a baby born in New York is a, more important than a baby born in any other state in this country. Why is this not a universal effort? Why is this not national? So I, I spent a lot of my time speaking at different states, uh, newborn screening committee meetings, probably I've spoken in about 15, you know, that stopped obviously when COVID hit, but you know, I'm thankful again to say that, you know, through our efforts and other advocates and you know, lobbyists and different people helping with the initiative. We are currently at 24 states that are screening for ALD, which is amazing. So there are 4 million babies born in the United States each year. And we targeted a lot of the larger states to start with, knowing that, you know, with the larger populations, that would help more families. So currently it's about 2.5 million babies that are being tested every year for this condition. But again, I've changed my efforts, not only to work in the states, but try to have this federal initiative that is now not ALD specific, but there is a panel, it's called the Federal Uniform Screening Panel, which conditions are nominated to, and it goes through an evidence review process, which means this committee looks to see if the test is valid and there's a viable treatment method in place once these babies are diagnosed for any of these conditions, but there's a huge lag time. So it currently can take a decade or more before 50 states are testing for any condition that's added to the recommended uniform screening panel. And that's an effort that I've been working on for the last five years now is to shorten that time frame because again, it's just incomprehensible to me to know that we have valid tests and to explain a little bit about newborn screening so it's nothing additional that the baby or the family has to do whenever a baby is born in the hospital there is a blood spot card so every baby before they leave the hospital 
they take a few drops of blood from the baby's heel that is put on this blood spot card and that card goes to that state lab. That state lab determines how many conditions that blood spot card is tested for. So again, this is something that we're adding on the lab level, nothing additional for the family or the baby to go through. And the cost for many of these conditions is nominal. And again, just going back to our personal story, I mean, Aiden's medical bills, he was inpatient for 10 months were close to $5 million. New York State, it's the third largest in the country. We have 250,000 babies born each year. It cost us about half a million dollars to implement, to add ALD newborn screening to our panel. So basically the cost of a cup of coffee is what it costs to test each baby. Look at one late diagnosis as opposed to testing all of these children at birth, which gives them the knowledge that they need in order to be monitored and treated before the onset of symptoms, before the damage is done and it's too late to do anything about it. I mean, you said so much there and... Sorry. (laughs) No, don't apologize. It just, you know, it, it... I'm sure you know, it makes your blood boil, the injustice of it and the pricing that you mentioned. I looked at the Washington website to see if we were screening for ALD and we are. So thank you for that. And it said the cost of screening tests is $96.60 with an $8.40 fee. That's it. Like nothing, nothing in the scheme of things to have these kids have their little foot poked and tested for these diseases. Exactly. I mean, I can understand why you went full steam ahead, like you mentioned, obviously for a million reasons. I can't believe what you accomplished in 11 months with the agony that you were going through. And on top of it, learning about an X-linked thing that maybe was also in the back of your mind, causing unnecessary stress and... My heart is broken and I am also just like totally blown away by your efforts and the pain that you turned into purpose, they say. It's really just amazing. Thank you. I just want to prevent this from happening over and over again when it doesn't need to. It just doesn't need to happen. So tell me about the gap with you finding out that there is a screening test for ALD and the fact that not one place in the country was using it on newborns. Where's the gap from, hey, we actually do have this part approved, but then we're not going to do anything about it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been working on and putting all of my efforts into, as I mentioned. So again, this is now not ALD specific. There are currently four conditions on the RUSP, so on the recommended federal recommended uniform screening panel that are not being screened for nationwide. And those four conditions are MPS1, Pompeii, ALD, and SMA. So what I'm trying to do from speaking in states, what I've realized is the number one reason why states are not moving forward is because they don't have the funding to do so. So my efforts have been really focused on trying to get 
appropriations from the federal government to go directly to the states so this problem can be fixed. So what we're asking for is $15 million a year for every state to become Rust compliant by 2025. There are currently only 17 states that are testing for all the conditions. And this is what I basically keeps me up at night to know that what will we say to these parents? If you only lived in state X, your child would have lived or your child wouldn't have been permanently disabled. But because you decided to live in state Y, your child has this condition that, you know, is too far along to do anything about. So this past year, we had a Dear Colleague letter that was introduced by uh, Congressman Clark and Congressman Zeldin. So it was a bipartisan letter. We are trying to get other advocates and other nonprofits involved in this because Again, I'm not thinking about just these four conditions, and that's why we're asking for the $15 million a year annually, which is a drop in the bucket for the federal budget. It really is nothing to them, but this would mean the world to the states to have this funding. New York right now has a pilot program. It's called Screen Plus. We have 14 conditions that are in pilot program and plus Duchenne muscular dystrophy that the pilot just ended. So that's 15 conditions that are coming through the pipeline that will be nominated to this federal panel. And this will be an ongoing issue. So if we say, okay, we have diagnosed a baby through this pilot program with this condition, it's now going to the federal panel, it's accepted, great, they're going to run into the same problems as these four other conditions. So that's the gap that I'm trying to close. Imagine if we can cut down the time from a decade or more to five years or less. Imagine how many lives that will save. Imagine how many lives won't be devastated, right? because of that, because we do, again, <laughs> this, this is what just makes me crazy. We, we have these valid tests, they work. We have viable treatments, but the treatments have to be administered at the right time, which is early, which is usually in the newborn stage or you know the, the diagnosis needs to be in the newborn stage so the children can be monitored and treated when necessary. But not knowing is, that is the problem. That is the problem. And every single baby deserves that same chance. It reminds me of my friend, Daniel DeFabio, whose son, Lucas, was born with something called Menke's disease. And if you don't get screened for it within like, I don't know, maybe like 11 to 14 days from birth, you're guaranteed to lose your child from anywhere from ages three to 10 and it's just iron. The treatment's just, I'm sure it's simplified in my words, but it's just giving them iron. And if not caught within those first two weeks of their life, you will lose them. And it's so simple. Exactly. And and I understand, I think everyone understands just like, there's no other word. All I can use is injustice for this, of how it's not just on these screening forms. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And this shouldn't be such an uphill battle as it's been. 
you know, we've had several different changes over the years. I started in 2016 with federal bill by um, that it was introduced by Senator Schumer and again, Congresswoman Clark and, you know, have made changes as necessary to try to get this through because I, I really believe this is the only way we can do it. Raising awareness is wonderful, but I feel like it's my mission to just help knowing what I know now, right? That to, to try to get it out there to as many families as possible. I understand the thought in not just going with ALD specific diseases, but, you know, opening the door to all of these other cures that could happen if these newborn screening tests were available. And I just honestly, I just like applaud you even more because I know that's probably extra work and it's learning about new families and new diseases and just probably adding a lot more to your load. But I understand that how can you not do it? Yes. I mean, I don't feel that, you know, the condition my son had is any more important than, you know, what your son has or anyone else's condition. Unfortunately, this is what I was dealt in this life, right? So this is what I know the most about, but I also don't think that it's more important than anyone else's. So if I could help you know, because I feel like newborn screening can help so many. And, and that's what I'm trying to do is just close that gap to diagnosing babies when they should be diagnosed. I'm curious about your work experience before all of this. Was there anything that specifically prepared you to kind of take on this form of advocacy? Or was this born from the, the mom fire? Definitely born from the mom fire. Um, I had no idea about politics or how to have a bill introduced. You know, I've owned my own business. So we actually had a motorcycle shop in Williamsburg. I had a men's store. I was a buyer for a long time. Right now I'm in real estate, so uh, that is my day job. This is a labor of love to me, and that's what it's fueled by, is, is love. Love for my son, just wanting to not see this happening over and over again. And, you know, he's my hero. He is what keeps me going. I know he would want this to happen. And he was just the most giving little boy. I mean, when we went to birthday parties, he would want to give his own toys away. He's like, don't worry, I love this toy. Let's wrap this up because I know so-and-so will love it just as much as I do. And I just think about that and how grateful, you know, that I had the gift to be his mother. But his, his life was cut short and it shouldn't have been. And again, you know, and that's why I feel so passionate about this. I just love it's yeah, it's mom fire. It's love. It's um, that unconditional. Sweet Aiden. How has leading this crusade for these diseases to get the newborn screening panels up? How has it helped in the grieving process of losing Aiden? You know, when I started this, I never thought I would be able to meet one family because, of course, with HIPAA laws and all of that. And, you know, I was able to meet the third family that was diagnosed in New York because of Aiden's law. 
And there's actually an NPR that was done about it. And I got to hold Matthew in my hands and meet the family. And it was just, I was just, again, so grateful because I knew his life would be different. I knew Matthew's life would be different because they had this information. They're able to, you know, do the monitoring of an MRI every six months to test his blood to ensure that if there are any changes, he goes forward with treatment. And I'm just grateful now to have so many families in my life that I've met. And I feel like they've all been touched by Aiden. You know, I just feel like I'm a vehicle, but he's the one who's done this. So I, I give him all of the credit for it. Absolutely. Mm, oh my goodness. Well, what do we do? What do we do, Elisa? How can people help in these efforts and what can they do in their own states? Sure. I mean, if anyone is interested, you're a parent out there, you believe this is important, please reach out to me. Uh, what we've been doing lately, I've had a lot of Senate meetings. We are trying to get this appropriations request in the Senate. So if there are advocates out there from states across the country, please reach out. I can send you our one pager, which basically explains what we're doing. It has a score sheet of where all the states stand, where your specific state stands. You can see that. But, you know, I definitely need all the help I can get. So, you know, maybe you know someone in politics, so you have someone that knows someone that, you know, the senator or whatever it may be, but it, it's all connecting the dots and every little bit really helps. It really, really does. So, you know, again, please reach out and, you know, I would love to have a discussion or just send me information. And, you know, the more people we have screaming about this is the only way it's going to happen. Like most of the things along this journey. <laughs> What has been a moment in your work over the last several years that's made you feel the closest to Aiden's memory? Oh, that's hard. You know, I think the signing of his law, which was, you know, for me, like a, such a spiritual thing. And I, I knew that he definitely had something to do with it. As I mentioned, it was 11 months to the day. It was also Good Friday and we're Catholic. I just feel like he had his hand in that. And I get little signs here and there along the way with that, that kind of points me in the right direction. I know that probably sounds crazy, but you know, I find dimes in the weirdest places and I feel like those are signs from him. And those are the little things that, that keep me going and kind of tell me that I'm on the right path and you know, I get really, really frustrated a lot of times, especially in the politics and how a lot of them are saying, oh, this is great, but we can't help you. Um, and I want to give up. And then I'll have these little signs that just say, don't give up, don't give up. So that's what keeps me going. Doesn't sound weird at all. <laughs> I totally, totally believe that. And I know, you know, Miranda, she's the one who emailed me and the work that you've done saved her kid's life. And funny, just over the last, I don't know, six to eight months, I've gotten a few emails from families here in Washington whose kids have been diagnosed with ALD asking where should they go? And I wonder if it just got put on the panel 
recently, or if those are just some of the first people diagnosed since I've started my podcast, but very much be sending them your way and Miranda's way. It's been a couple of years. So that's actually the Ethan Zakes Foundation. My friend Brad lost his son, Ethan, to ALD as well. And he was the one that really fought for it in Washington State and made it happen. So the Ethan Zakes Foundation, but yes, uh, whatever we can do to help our we have a aldnewbornscreening.org page, which is, you know, we've created a brochure basically for newly diagnosed parents to give them kind of a roadmap on what to do. We definitely want to instill the message of hope. I know it's really overwhelming to get this, especially when you've, you know, just had a baby and it's you're overjoyed and then you're hit with this with a ton of bricks. And it'll take a little while for it to sink in or absorb, but we definitely want to instill and and reach out and give the message of hope to these families because the reason why their boys are being diagnosed at birth is because we know that early intervention is key and the early diagnosis is key to ensuring that they can go on to live a normal, healthy life. Mm, What a great reminder. Yes. Love that. Elisa, thank you so much for sharing about Aiden and for all the work that you do. I hope I can be a fly on the wall when you win a Nobel Peace Prize someday Ah. because you are changing the world and I'm so grateful to parents like you. Well, so are you with what you're doing. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really do. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Elisa. Thank you. Bye. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people. And please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.